along a great ellipse, and in a few hours, he would be back at his starting point. Hello, Cliff, said Launch Control suddenly. We found what happened. The circuit breakers tripped when you went through Section 5 of the track, so your takeoff speed was 700 miles an hour low. That will bring you back in just over five hours. But don't worry, your course correction jets can boost you into a stable orbit. We'll tell you when to fire them. Then all you have to do is sit tight until we can send someone to haul you down. Slowly, Cliff allowed himself to relax. He had forgotten the capsule's vernier rockets. Low-powered though they were, they could kick him into an orbit that would clear the moon, though he might fall back to within a few miles of the lunar surface. Skimming over mountains and plains at a breathtaking speed, he would be perfectly safe. Then he remembered those tinkling crashes from the control compartment, and his hopes dimmed again for there were not many things that could break in a space vehicle without most unpleasant consequences. He was facing those consequences, now that the final checks of the ignition circuits had been completed. Neither on manual nor on auto would the navigation rockets fire. The capsule's modest fuel reserves, which could have taken him to safety, were utterly useless. In five hours he would complete his orbit and return to his launching point. I wonder if they'll name the new crater after me, thought Cliff. Crater Leyland, diameter? What diameter? Better not exaggerate. I don't suppose it will be more than a couple of hundred yards across. Hardly worth putting on the map. Launch control was still silent, but that was not surprising. There was little that one could say to a man already as good as dead. And yet, though he knew that nothing could alter his trajectory, even now he could not believe that he would soon be scattered over most of Farside. He was still soaring away from the moon, snug and comfortable in his little cabin. The idea of death was utterly incongruous, as it is to all men until the final second. And then for a moment, Cliff forgot his own problem. The horizon ahead was no longer flat. Something more brilliant even than the blazing lunar landscape was lifting against the stars. As the capsule curved round the edge of the moon, it was creating the only kind of earth rise that was possible. A man made one. In a minute, it was all over. Such was his speed in orbit. By that time, the earth had leaped clear of the horizon and was climbing swiftly up the sky. It was three-quarters full and almost too bright to look upon. Here was a cosmic mirror, made not of dull rocks and dusty plains, but of snow and cloud and sea. Indeed, it was almost all sea, for the Pacific was turned toward him, and the blinding reflection of the sun covered the Hawaiian islands. The haze of the atmosphere, that soft blanket that should have cushioned his descent in a few hours' time, obliterated all geographical details. Perhaps that darker patch emerging from night was New Guinea, but he could not be sure. There was a bitter irony in the knowledge that he was heading straight toward that lovely, gleaming apparition— Another seven hundred miles an hour, and he would have made it. Seven hundred miles an hour, that was all. He might as well ask for seven million. The sight of the rising earth brought home to him with irresistible force the duty he feared but could postpone no longer. Launch control, he said, holding his voice steady with a great effort. Please give me a circuit to earth. This was one of the strangest things he had ever done in his life to sit here above the moon and listen to the telephone ring in his own home, a quarter of a million miles away. 
It must be near midnight down there in Africa, and it would be some time before there would be any answer. Myra would stir sleepily. Then, because she was a spaceman's wife, always alert for disaster, she would be instantly awake. But they had both hated to have a phone in the bedroom, and it would be at least fifteen seconds before she could switch on the light, close the nursery door to avoid disturbing the baby, get down the stairs, and— Her voice came clear and sweet across the emptiness of space. He would recognize it anywhere in the universe, and he detected at once the undertone of anxiety. Mrs. Leyland, said the Earthside operator, I have a call from your husband. Please remember the two-second time lag. Cliff wondered how many people were listening to this call, on either the moon, the Earth, or the relay satellites. It was hard to talk for the last time to your loved ones when you didn't know how many eavesdroppers there might be but as soon as he began to speak, no one else existed but Myra and himself. Darling, he began.